Welcome to Beyond the Press Release, a production of Gorecom, in which we take the time to speak with small cap executives after they put out important news. With us today, happy to have him back because he's lived up to his word. In fact, his results have exceeded his word. Steve Saviak, CEO of Valio Pharma, trades on the CSC and the stock symbol VPH, and in the U.S. under VPHIF, and of course in Europe on Frankfurt under VP2. If you don't know Valio, but you saw the headline number, uh, then this is what you need to know. Typically, when you hear about biopharma, and I know I used to do this, you think about big R&D, long FDA clinic trials, cash-burning companies with extremely high risk. Valio has turned that business model on its head. They're a commercial stage revenue generating and profitable Canadian pharmaceutical company. Why? Their model is to license and acquire the Canadian rights to commercial stage proprietary drugs that are succeeding elsewhere. So this in-licensed business model uh, removes all development and clinical risk, and it's showing up in the numbers because they just put out their Q3 numbers. And I want to put this out because it's also, also the first nine months of the year. Record revenue, 5.7 million, up 280% over Q3 last year, and 114% sequentially. Uh, Q3 record gross margin, 2.2 million, up 1,600% over last year. Uh, record revenues for the first nine months, $10.2 million, up 94%. And the company has been on record in the past for forecasting revenue, they believe, of $160 million by 2025. Steve, congratulations. Welcome to the show. George, it's uh, always nice to be back. Uh in conversations we've had in the past, you've you've had some pretty good confidence as to where Valio was going to go. You provided guidance, but you've exceeded that previous that previous guidance uh, by a good margin. What happened? Where was the surprise? Where is this coming from? Well, the, you know the company has undergone a significant transformation over the course of the last twelve months. Uh, even over the course of the last quarter. And I think I can foresee that going forward. Um, we launched three very important products for us. I mean, in total today, we commercialized a dozen products, but the three that I think investors should focus on are Redesca, which is a blood thinner, which we launched really the end of April. So the end of the second quarter, but really it was like the last week. So the real true launch was in was in the third quarter. Right. And then in June, we launched Redesca, uh, we launched uh, Enerzair and Atectura 2, novel, innovative asthma therapies that we've licensed from Novartis. Uh, those three products are the key drivers. But in the short term, Redesca was the, the, the key, the biggest driver and, and represented maybe about a third of the revenues, uh, slightly more than a third of the revenues for, for Q3. And we expect that to accelerate. So it's early days. This is really just the beginning of what these three products will do for value and how they'll transform us. So if, if Redesca is more than 30% or third of the revenues, that means it's somewhere upwards uh, over $1.8 million, $1.82 million range. Is that, was that, is that a great start to the first full quarter of marketing Redesca? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it is, as with any drugs, uh, it, it normally takes some time. There's a process to go through, whether it be the process of getting the drugs into the into the into sort of the, into the distribution chain, whether it's a process of talking to physicians, getting reimbursement. All of these factors 
uh, play on how quickly a drug uh, is is, uh, is is uptaken in the system. Uh, Rodesca is certainly ahead of our of our uh, expectations at this time. Uh, and again, as I said, it's only beginning. I think in the fourth quarter, there's a number of uh, uh, hospital contracts that will start to fall into place. There's a number of provincial reimbursements. That means the promises paying when the promises do pay for a drug that are going to take effect in uh, in October. So. Um, you know, it depends when in October, but I, I, we foresee the continuation of Verdesca. Our, our top line sales projections, and uh, we've re-looked at these numbers, and we think they're very realistic, are about $30 million annually, or $7.5 million per quarter. Uh, we're nowhere near that yet, but we're, we're moving towards that. And $2 million on a quarter is a great start. Are you able to tell us what you think Verdesca might do in the, in the fourth quarter? Uh, you know, I, it's too early to tell. We we try to. It's guidance is a tough. Uh, it's a tough uh, issue in for for everybody, and yeah. especially when you're launching a product, because there's so many th factors that go into. So it's hard for us to say exactly how much it'll do in the fourth quarter. Uh, only to say that the trend is up, uh, and we follow the right. trend. On, in, in various metrics, whether it be prescriptions, whether it be how much is sold into the hospitals, not just into the wholesale chain. And all of those bode well for us for uh, to finish off the year strong and to have a really uh, super uh, 2022. You know, when you first said Redesca, uh, when, when Redesca first came out, when you secured it and it was, it was you got to start marketing, you came out back then and said, we think it could be worth $30 million a year to us. And some people, you know, may have doubted that, right? But clearly, it's off to a fantastic start. You're not going to get there in your first year. But if you can get there, you know, by the end of 2022, or the end of 2023, doing 30 million just from that, that would be fantastic. So I love the fact that, you know, you lived up to your word. Let's talk about the two asthma drugs. And what people should know is these came by a partnership with Novartis. That's right? correct. Um, how's their performance so far? Because those just launched in August, right? I know it's still early. But you know how's how's the how's the look out of the gate? So the, uh, I will say that uh, number of positive factors. A lot of physician interest, a lot of healthcare professional interest in the drugs. These are uh, especially Enerzair, which is the uh, the most I guess sophisticated of the two or most advanced of the two. It's a new uh, sort of step in the treatment for moderate to severe asthma sufferers. So a lot of interest, and we're seeing that. Uh, and let me give you some numbers. We have approximately 50 sales representatives across Canada. Wow. At live uh, beginning of August. So they're out there and doing the best they can to see physicians. Even, you know, it is a, an issue for all pharma companies with COVID about face-to-face -face interaction sure. with physicians, but we're, we're going through. We, our target list of physicians is about 12,000 physicians in Canada. So that gives you a sense of how broad this market is. It's a it's a very large market, and we're attacking it very much in a way that a large pharma company would attack it. So initial uh, express uh, interest very strong. Doctors are interested. Again, it's new. The, the clinical results are very uh, are very compelling, uh, and we're seeing it in sample requests. We're sampling the product extensively, far greater than we had initially anticipated. Uh, virtually every physician we see wants to put a number of patients on it. And it's a typical process of patient comes in, maybe has an unmet need, is not happy with their current therapy, is not being controlled. Physician says, "I'm okay, we've got this new medication. We're going to sample it for you. Sampling takes roughly about two weeks. Patient will come back, say, yeah, I feel better, or maybe there's no change, what have you. And then the sales 
take off from that point of view. There's also the issue of who pays for the drugs. So currently over 80% of private insurance companies that have, a, so if a patient comes in and is a member of a private health plan, he's generally speaking covered for the drug. On the public side, that hasn't started yet. Although we are expecting some strong advancements in that and hopefully by the end of the year, we'll have our first provinces uh, paying for the drug, uh, which is an important aspect of public reimbursement. And that's about three to four months ahead of what we had originally planned. And so that's for the asthma, that's for the asthma side. That's for the asthma side. That well, is Redesca, it's, a, it's a, a completely different picture. I'm gonna read from the press release. Redesca yeah. is now covered for public reimbursement in seven provinces and territories across Canada, uh, in addition to several government agencies, and 70% of privately insured uh, lives in Canada for private payer health plans. So uh, is, is for people at home who don't know, is that a good number to be at already and you expect it to go higher? Like, is it possible to get 100%? I'm just to let everyone know at home what That's that the expectation. means. Right now, currently for Redesca, in terms of provincial reimbursement, BC and, and Quebec are the only two provinces that don't reimburse. Uh, we expect that that'll be 100% by the end of October, early November. On the private payer side, it's just a, it's a process you have to go through. Some payers adopt quicker than others. Ostensibly at the end of the line, there's no reason why we shouldn't be, you know, virtually 100%, 99, 98% of okay. patient lives covered. So, and we'll, we'll follow the asthma therapies. will have the same kind of growth path, strong uh, uh, private payer uh, acceptance already. The public payer, it's a process you got to go through. It's it, the governments don't just drop roll over and the next day start paying. You have to do a lot of, of uh, there's a lot of, uh, uh, filings with them to justify the value, the, the value proposition. But uh, we expect that that should be, as I say, well underway and, and starting to get the first provinces to uh, reimburse by the turn of the year. So uh, those are key drivers for almost all pharmaceutical products launched in Canada. And whether you're, you're Valio Pharma or whether you're Pfizer, you face the same challenges with the government. So uh, it's, it's about in convincing them and demonstrating to them that there's strong benefits cost-wise and patient-wise uh, for them to be paying for these drugs. How much does it help that the asthma drugs uh, came as a result of the Novartis partnership in getting those that, that government uh, the public reimbursement side going? And at the, since we're talking about it, then if you can answer, you know, what's that Novartis partnership done for you in terms of raising the visibility of Valio to other uh, pharmaceutical companies around the world that now want to partner with you? Well, uh, you know, I have to say that Novartis has been a wonderful partner. Our, we're in early days in our partnership. It started with the signing of the contract March 26, but we have regular meetings with them. We have a, a lot of responsibility. They've given us a lot of leeway that we're, our role is to really market, commercialize these products in Canada. And that includes medical support, pricing, negotiating with the governments. But I will say that whether you're a large pharma or a small pharma, that curries no favor when it comes to negotiating with the with the various provinces. I okay. know that may sound uh, difficult to, to but it, it, I've seen it firsthand, and we're you know we're very involved with the Canadian, in the Canadian pharmaceutical uh, marketplace and associations, and it's it, we face the same issues that the larger companies face in terms of being partnered with Novartis. Clearly, it's a credibility. Uh, uh, booster for us. I mean, a lot of people say, well, Novartis has done their due diligence or the fact that Novartis would have partnered with you um, must mean you have some strengths that that are that, that maybe we would like to to uh, to access. So 
yes, there are uh, uh, follow-on discussions with other pharmaceutical companies, but you know, we have to be focused. We have three big products. You can't be everywhere and you can't be everything to everyone right, uh, right. all the time. It has to fit in with your, but we do have certain um, certain vertical areas that we think we can, we have capacity in. And uh, um, I would just say, stay tuned over the coming months. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to, uh, to, you know, announce some other, uh, you know, interesting opportunities, but uh, listen, the three products that we have, I mean, we, I mentioned we have 12 They're workhorses, the top three, these are company makers. These will drive our revenues well over $100 million in the next four years. So I think that, uh, you know, we, we don't want to take our eye off the ball uh, on those and specifically on our asthma drugs. This is a big market. These are very good drugs. And uh, we've made a huge commitment to them people-wise, uh, time-wise, and financially. I like two things you said there. Stay tuned, because when you say it, you mean it. I mean, look where we are today in terms of your success and growth. And the other part I like is, uh, the fact that you that you you've addressed the fact that you can't just grow out of control, right? You have to have controlled growth. You want to grow as fast as you can, but you can't grow fast otherwise the whole thing falls apart. So you guys, we've talked about this extensively in the past that you had to implement a, a brand new corporate structure. You're bringing people on, extending the warehouse. So where are you at in terms of your corporate structure now? Uh, your sales force, medical support. Uh, you know, the, the size of your facilities and so on and so forth. Where are you guys at and what do you, will you need to do more to be able to handle the current growth or do you have enough capacity now for the next couple of years? Yeah, we, we built the team. The team is built out. Uh, we're over hundred employees right now. We probably have one or two, uh, three maybe positions that are uh, available, but uh, by and large, it's the team is built out. So the, when I say the team, there's the head office team and then there's the commercial team. When we look at the, uh, oh, excuse me, I'll just. Uh, That's all right. Hey, the phone's ringing, Steve. That's a good sign. It's been a quite a, an interesting <laughs> day. But uh, in terms of uh, the team, I would say that, you know, over two thirds of our hundred people are commercial. That means in the field, uh, their, their responsibility is to raise awareness for drugs, answer questions, what have you. The rest is the sort of the head office team, about 30 people or so. Uh, yes, capacity, we have, we can certainly handle more. Uh, if you add, you probably add maybe again, even more on the commercial side, more sales reps. That's really the key to getting drugs to be known and to be uh, accepted in the marketplace. Facility wise, uh, double the warehouse capacity. Um, and uh, for how long that'll, that'll hold us, well, only time will tell, but uh, we're actually looking at plans to increase that, that capacity even more. We're, a, we're not a virtual company, so we are. you walk in here, you have what uh, a big pharma company would have, obviously on a smaller yeah. scale, yeah. but uh, we, uh, we feel very strongly about being vertically integrated like that, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a very dynamic time at Value of Pharma. Talent-wise, we've hired some great people. Uh, that uh, you know, you'd be you know, there's been a, a certain sort of a tightness in the in the job market in many industries. Uh, what we found is uh, we've we've brought people in from many of the big companies. Uh, I'm I'm really impressed with the the talent level, and I think that goes throughout our whole management team, the team itself, and also all our representatives and directors and and what have you it shows right. up in the numbers right the, yeah. you're uh, not just saying it because it's the platitude because if you don't the vp might get upset at you i mean the fact of the number is the numbers the fact of the matter is the numbers support that the team is uh hitting on full cylinder yeah we're we're, we're uh 
very much so. And uh, it's, um, you know, I just say to people, keep watching us. Uh, I think you'll continue to see good things coming from Valio from on the revenue side and business development side. And uh, it's, uh, you know, we're well on our way to being in that mid tier and our peer group uh, is certainly moving up uh, now with the number of employees we have. And then with the, the ultimate, uh, ultimate revenue, um, uh, generation that will, will, so there is a bit of a lag here, you know, you're, you're putting out your sales reps initially. So you're up, you're upfronting that, uh, cost, if you will. And then, uh, the revenues come, uh, several months or quarters even after that. So it's, but it's important because it, that is the traditional model, whether you're a big pharma or small pharma, it's always the pre uh, promotion and representation upfront cost and the revenue sales come. That's great. That's correct. But to put it into perspective for everybody at home, in 2020, you had revenues of $7.5 million, which is a very good year. In the first nine months, you've already got you've already at $10.2 million. So you're 50% higher uh, already. And that's before Q4 and Redesca and the two asthmas start yeah. to kick even more. We expect um, that 21 will double 2020 uh, in terms of revenue, and 22 will more than double 21. Where 22 is going to be a we think an explosive year for us, and because that's when everything starts to really kick into high gear, right? Where it really starts to kick in all that reimbursement, so the who pays for the drug, all that's already in place. So all of those things that take time, and it's very frustrating because you could sign an agreement for something to happen where and commercially, but it only it, it, it you have to wait 90 days for it to have effect. So a lot of these kind of delays are inherent in the in the launch of, of virtually all drugs. Uh, that's probably one of the common complaints about uh, from pharma execs is these delays that that uh, occur in the Canadian system, uh, and as a result, uh, but we're we're going through those delays right now, and that's why I think that but 22 will be a year of real you know strong execution and even stronger sales growth than in 21. Well, the good thing is those delays aren't unique to you, uh, and the second thing is we have to, if we we're both hockey fans. Uh, and if we had to use an analogy, it's like you got three first round draft picks right now in the first year, you know, they're going to do pretty well. They're going to perform nicely on the balance of probabilities, not a guarantee, but now the numbers show that your first, your, your three first rounders are performing well, but in the second year, right. And the third year is where they really start to take off. So that's I think that's, very, that's a safe analogy. Canadian to analogy and very, very uh, true in terms of just getting used to being where you need to be and. Uh, the doctors, many physicians have never heard of Valio Pharma before. So there's an, ed, you know, the first visit is oftentimes an education of who is Valio. And one thing that I really liked hearing from some of our reps is that, that physicians are, are surprised and are actually pleased that we're a Canadian company, we're a Canadian owned company. Uh, and I think that's nothing against uh, the foreign-owned companies. Or, or oh, whatever. but there's more comfort at home. Let's face it. There's uh, there's this thing of there's not many Canadian-owned pharmaceutical companies, and that that's a, I think that's a benefit. A lot of people are are taking about what we're trying to do here, which is build a mid-tier Canadian company that at some point uh, will be the go-to company, whether it be in respiratory or in other therapeutic areas where foreign companies that want to come into Canada and don't want to set up here, will but have an interesting drug that Valio is top of the list saying, these are the guys you have to deal with because they dominate that marketplace or they're, they're entrenched in that market. And you know, that's, that's going to be a lot of business. This is me talking. I don't want to take words out of your mouth because the nature of Canada, it's like that with a lot of products. You know, you can go to the U S for example, and you could build an entire business just in California, or you can build an entire business just on the Northeastern seaboard. 
Uh, you have, and the same thing is in Europe, right? You got these massive population densities in regions or even in one country. But Canada, unless unless you're a company that starts doing business here from day one, you're founded here, it's very difficult for a company to come from overseas and set up shop because our population scattered everywhere makes it very difficult to really ramp up revenue. Have an, you got to really have a smart business model. You have the right resources, the right infrastructure. And most people just aren't going to do that for a population of 35 million, given, you know, California's 30 million and you got Germany's 90 million. So I think Valio is going to be that go-to destination for uh, foreign successful uh, uh, pharmaceutical companies saying, look, we're not going to go launch ourselves in Canada, but why don't we go team up with Valio and at least we can get some extra, squeeze some extra dollars out of our product without having to have any of the hassle that goes with it. Am I, is that, is that right to sum it up that way? George, you've hit it pretty well on the head. You know, the Canadian pharma market is, is I think, number 10 in the world. It's um, about a 30 billion or so dollar market. It's not one of the top markets. Uh, it is has these geographic uh, uh, disparities that are, are an issue. It has got a, a lot of, I don't want to use a word, but I will, red tape. I mean, in a sense, you've got 10 provinces to deal with in terms of, of pricing, and it's very uh, uh, sort of spread right. out. So, right. Or if a company, uh, and it, you know, Novartis is a big company and they're very active in Canada. They've decided with this, with their two new, and these are innovative asthma products. These are newly launched. It's not something that they've been selling for years and, and want to sort of hand off to someone else to continue marketing. These are new into the market. Uh, in many countries around the world, Novartis is launching these products directly. In Canada, they've made a strategic decision that they have other uh, products and other therapeutic focuses rather than asthma or respiratory and that therefore they've come to where we partnered with them and they felt that we could do the uh, you know a good uh, be a good distribution and marketing and support partner for them so it's uh it's uh, very much uh, whether it's a large or a small company um people strategically can't be everywhere so don't want to be so i think uh it's it's really a, a very uh, we're in a very interesting position uh, and there's a barrier to entry in the sense of it takes a lot of people, uh, it takes a lot of capital, uh, licenses, what have you, to be a company, uh, be a pharmaceutical company. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, we've been at this for 20 years uh, and uh, we sold our business, as you well know, to Valiant back in the 14-15 era. Uh, and $47 we million, dollars, I think. Uh, it was a little bit less than that, but it was a high, it was a good number. A big uh, number, yeah, something like that. But, I remember reading something somewhere, but okay, that's a big number. But what's what's key is, uh, you know, we're we're becoming more and more a known uh, quantity, and I think uh, partnerships with whether it be Novartis or whether it be Shenzhen TechDAO or Zambon or other companies, people look to that and they say, we know those companies, and if they partner with you, that's that's a feather in your cap. There's so we're we're our reputation is is getting, and it's key. I mean, people here, there's a lot of. You know, I mentioned we have innovative products. We have very motivated and ethical people. Uh, and for me to be the CEO of this company really is is uh, is uh, is, uh, is, uh, is a charm in the sense of the quality of the the, the team that that works here. And very proud of our people and uh, very proud of what we're doing. And uh, I hope uh, I can make some shareholders proud with with continued uh, re revenue success and and an accelerating share price. The one thing we will say is, as you know. 
board of directors, management employees still own over 50% of the company. We've put a lot of money in uh, along with our, our outside shareholders and we continue to do so. Most recent financing, we participated again. And I think that shows that we're, you know, we're not just, uh, we're, we're, we're not just uh, passengers on this. We're actually part of it. We're committed uh, to this business. And, and I, that's also is our culture. So it's a uh, very nice to be, uh, around people that are, that are co-owners that have meaningful stakes in the company where if we're successful, this is going to really change. Very uh, important for small cap investors to know what you're, if you're just cutting a check and have a tiny little, you know, tiny little holding the company, I don't care what you tell me. I don't care how passionate you are. You're probably not putting in that extra effort at nice. midnight, you know, when you need to get something done, but when the team has over 50% ownership of the company, uh, we know you're there by inference. <laughs> Unless you guys are dumb guys, you're not. You're going to look after that 50%, you know, 50% plus interest. And it shows up in the numbers, Steve. I'm going to say this as a final note. When you said you hope you'll make your shareholders proud, I guarantee as a shareholder, I speak on behalf of everyone, that you've made everybody extremely proud and proud. In fact, almost blown away by the fact that you're exceeding your own guidance and we wish you nothing but success and continued, uh, continued great growth because we know it's gonna, you know, we should pay off for everybody. Continue, continue good luck, my friend. George, it's uh, it's a pleasure uh, to be on your uh, your broadcast, and uh, you, you're doing a great job for small cap companies in Canada. And uh, I look forward to the next uh, our next uh, session um, with even more news, uh, in hopefully not the, in the short future, short term future. Yeah. There's no doubt, Steve, that it's going to be like that for the next four years. This isn't, you know, you've just released your software or your device and hope it does well. It just seems like there's more and more going to come. We're happy to be a part of it. Thanks so much. And make sure you pass on our well wishes to your team also. Great. Thanks again. For everybody at home, you've been watching or you've been listening by podcast to Steve Saviak, is CEO of Valio Pharma, trades on a CSC under the stock symbol VPH. For our friends in the US under VPHIF and for our friends in Europe on Frankfurt under VP2, this is your chance now to do your due diligence. Guys, you've heard the numbers. There's no doubting those numbers. So now you, if you just discovered the company, Start your due diligence off on Agoracom. Go to the profile page because there are a lot of moving aspects of this company. It's biopharmaceutical. So they've got products. They've got things that they do. We've got to summarize really neatly for you. And then when you're ready, you've got that great understanding. You flip right over to the company's website and they just launched a brand new one, by the way. It's fantastic. Do your deep dive due diligence. Just don't tell us in 2021, 2022, 23 that we didn't tell you so today. Have a great day. See you next time. Hey guys, this video is over, but don't forget to help your company by liking it and even leaving a comment below. And then don't forget to help yourself by subscribing to our channel and never missing another great Agoracom small cap video.